but we're not quite sure. So we try more, and more, until pretty soon we're consuming ourselves with trying to make this harmless at first choice fill a place that it will never fill, that it was never meant to fill, that it can't fill. And all the while, the answer to our need, to us being fully satisfied, is right in front of us. We just need to choose to take it and drink. Have you ever found yourself drinking the wrong things in life? Right? And let, let me start out with this. First of all, we want to welcome the online campus uh, to our service this morning. And, and uh, we want to welcome each of you, first service uh, peeps that are here. And uh, have, have I told you lately that I love you? And I do, but God loves you more. And uh, some of you, and you know who you are, you sent me a text this week and you said praying for you and I'll tell you what, it lifted up my, lifted up my day and uh, just want to tell you that, that I love you and God loves you even so much more. But have any of you ever um, found yourself really thirsty? Anyone ever been really thirsty in your life? Maybe after a long, dry summer day, and we don't have many of them here, here in uh, this, this part of, uh, of the world. Or, or maybe it was a, a ball game that you played, and, and uh, if you've ever played sports and, and, and you've been really working hard, uh, you find yourself really thirsty, right? I remember at least two occasions uh, for me that I can, they come to my mind right away, uh, being super thirsty, uh, working underground, working in some really hot locations where you uh, sweat it continuously because of the humidity. Uh, I see some of you that were minors, and uh, you can kind of relate to me, and, and, and there were times that you were really thirsty. Then there was another time that I was in uh, sophomore in high school, and we went to Cañón de Cobre, which is Copper Canyon in Chihuahua, Mexico, with a college professor, a high school coach, and about 10 of us students. And we hiked down the canyon, which is uh, equivalent or a little bit bigger than the Grand Canyon. So we hiked down to the bottom of the canyon, went to this wonderful place. But I remember it took us um, <clears throat> uh, two days to hike down, and it took us uh, three days to get back up. But I remember on the way up that we uh, were, you know, probably in our second day, and we were extremely thirsty. And uh, the indigenous people there, the Tarahamara Indians, uh, the Tarahamara people, uh, some of them were around, and, and they would go up and down in an hour or two. And they went down into the, the creek, and they drew some water, and they brought it up to us. And I'll never forget how incredible that water was. And, and if, you're, if you're like me, when you're really thirsty, I'm talking about really thirsty, uh, it's not soda or even iced tea that I, that I desire. What I really desire is some good, clean water. And so our bodies, our bodies, they thirst for water. And water is so important to us. Water cleanses our bodies. Water heals our bodies. It's very necessary for our bodies. But how many of you know that our, our souls thirst? But our souls thirst for God. And just like that, uh, that video illustration showed that, that we try to satisfy that thirst with everything else except God in many times of our lives. The psalmist put it like this in uh, Psalm 42. He said, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. 
My soul thirsts for you, God, for the living God. You see, only, only water will satisfy a thirsty deer. And only water will satisfy a thirsty person. But the only one that can satisfy a thirsty soul is God. And I just believe that, that you are here or you're watching today because God wants to satisfy your thirst for him. And think with me, all the things that are vying for your allegiance and your attention and all the things that can take us out of, out of balance, they can take us out of where we need to be. There are so many things in this world that are pulling us away from the one that we need, and the one that we need is Jesus Christ. And so maybe you're thirsty, my friend. Maybe you're thirsty today, and, and, and you're at the right place. And God has a word for you. Jesus has the words for you. There's a woman that came to Jesus. We're going to look at that, John chapter 4. If you've got your Bibles or you've got your Bible apps, go to John chapter 4. And we're going to be looking at that narrative there as we continue in the Gospel of John. And what we're going to do is we're going to, we're going to go through some takeaways and then we're going to read the scripture that follows that will help concrete the God reality and what we need for today. What we need for our lives that will help us throughout the week and throughout the year. We're talking about a thirst for God. We all have a thirst for God. Just like we all have a thirst for, for water. And wh why do I bring water up here? Why, why do I bring a, a, a bottled water? And thank you. I've never said this, but there's a person that brings me a water every Sunday. And he sits right there in the second row. He probably doesn't want any attention. But Charlie Mendes, give Charlie a big hand. Every Sunday, he brings me water. Now, he doesn't know this. The reason that he brings me water is he doesn't want a dry preacher. And so every time I start getting to get a little bit dry, i got to get a drink of water. But a thirst for God, we all have that. And here's what, how, where I want to start out. Here's your first takeaway. Jesus will find you even when life has left you deserted. And life has a way of leaving us deserted. Seasons in our, in our life leaves us in deserts, in places that are, are very difficult. Have you ever felt forsaken? Anyone here ever felt forsaken? Have you ever felt abandoned? You ever felt like you were kicked to the curb? You're not alone. God knows where you're at. And he cares about you. And he will come looking for you. He, he comes looking for me when I cry out for help. Has anyone cried out for help in your life? Anyone ever said, God, where are you? He hears that. And he cares about every aspect of your life. Here, here's how the narrative starts in chapter 4. It's, it starts out like this. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. So he went on a trip. Now, on this trip, as he goes from, from, uh, from, from Judea and he's going to start tracking toward Galilee, verse 4 helps us to understand he had to go through Samaria, but there's something important that we need to understand, that the, the, the Israelites, the Jews, did not travel through Samaria because they had a lot of animosity with the Samaritans. The Samaritans were, were Jews, but they were half-breeds. They were not pure Israelites. They had, they had inter uh, intermingled with, with the Assyrians and with uh, the whole different, the Gentiles, and, and so they were a mixed breed. And so the Israelites thought that they were pure and they didn't want nothing to do with them. The Samaritans as well, they didn't get along. We're going to see that in the scriptures right now, how it's going to go. But Jesus had to go through Samaria. He made the choice to go to 
Samaria, and there's a reason for that. And there's a reason that you're here. It's not a mistake that you're here. You see, Jesus made an appointment with you today. You didn't even know about the appointment. You're watching online, and maybe you've never even watched the sermon before, but Jesus knew that you were going to be watching. He had to go through Samaria because it was a very special person, not to anybody else, but to God that he had to meet. We're going to see that in the narrative right now. It says, eventually he came to, a, to the Samaritan village of Sikar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, he sat wearily, or he sat weary beside the well about noontime. Now, it's a, the heat of the day. It's not early morning. Now, think about it. When do, when do women or when do people go to the well in that time? When did they go at the, the hottest part of the day, or did they go in the... Early mornings. Early mornings. Very good. You guys are scholars. I don't have to explain too much to you. You guys are very, very, very wise. So he, it's noontime. It's the hottest part of the day. And Jesus is there and he's weary. So it teaches us about Jesus' humanity. Jesus was fully God, but he was also what? Fully man. And so he can relate to us. When, when you're tired during the week, Jesus can relate to that. When you're weary and you feel like if life is kicking you to the curb, Jesus can relate to that. And he says this, says this verse 7, Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at that time because his disciples had gone to in and out to get double-doubles. They'd gone into the village to buy some food. And the woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. Is there anyone in your life that you have nothing to do with? Is there anything, any, any person, any, any race, any affiliations that you have a real difficult time with? That's where that's where. John is going right here. He's giving us an important, important fact about Jesus. Jesus cares about all people. And she said to Jesus, you are a Jew. And I am a Samaritan woman. Now that's important right there because at that time in this historical context, women were treated very, very, very poorly. I'm a Samaritan, which you guys have nothing to do with, but I'm also a woman. Why are you talking to me? Why are you asking me for a drink? Now think about it. This is Jesus. And Jesus is, is the same one that, that he spoke into Peter's life. He said, Peter, uh, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me that before it ever happened. So Jesus has foreknowledge. He, he knew things. And yet he made, he made a choice to go through Samaria where the people are hated. The, the Jews were, were hated and the Jews hated the people. And he went to a well, which he knew there was an appointment there with a, with a woman that was a Samaritan. And the story doesn't stop there. We're going to keep going. And here's the reality. This is a woman that had been kicked to the curb by society and she felt deserted, and she was deserted because there was no one else with her. And rarely do you find a woman by herself. Women have a way of just kind of gathering together. <laughs> Men don't care about being alone, but women, you, you want to hang out. Let's go shopping. Women go to the bathroom together. I don't understand that. We, dudes don't do that. Hey, bro, you want to go to the bathroom? What are you talking about, homeboy? <laughs> Women do this all the time. Do you want to go to the powder room? Oh, yeah, let's go. Am I wrong? Thank you. So she was not desiring to be alone. She was alone. She was deserted. She was kicked to the curb in life. And she avoided people, either because, let's just think about two scenarios, either because they had nothing to do with her, 
or because they ridiculed and slandered her. How many of you go around people that talk about you? How many of you enjoy going around people that put you down? How many of you go around people that ridicule you, that say that, you know, you're not going to amount to anything? Usually we avoid those kinds of people. Okay, she was avoiding everybody. Because she had made choices in her life, and, and a lot of us can relate to that. Hence, me. There are choices that I made in my life before Christ that made me very, very unworthy. Maybe unworthy of love from people, maybe unworthy of love from, from even the, 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 the people that I cared about. Life has a way of doing that, right? And then hurting people, they do what? Hurting people, they hurt people. And so you, 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 you destroy the bridges that you have in relationships. And so the reality is that this woman was there at that place. She was in a deserted place in her life. And I don't know about you, but you may be there or you may know someone that is there. And they're isolated. And they're all alone. And they feel like if they don't amount to very much. But Jesus had to go through Samaria. And Jesus had to go through Oracle. And Jesus had to go through Saddlebrook Ranch. And Jesus had to go through Catalina. And Jesus had to go through Eagle Crest. And Jesus had to go through Samuel. And Jesus had to go through Mammoth. Would Jesus go through Mammoth? Yes. And Jesus had to go through Aravipa, through Winkleman, through Dudleyville, through Kearney, and through Superior, and through Globe. And Jesus even had to go up 60 to Sholo and follow that road to Springerville and then go to Alpine to a woman's retreat this weekend. Because there are people, men and women, that feel deserted. And they're thirsting for God. Their soul is longing for God. Even though they've tried everything else, it doesn't quench our thirst. It doesn't quench our soul. It doesn't satisfy the important things of life. And here's the second takeaway. The living water that God gives cannot be found without Jesus. Your soul will never be satisfied without Jesus Christ. Say amen if you believe that. Verse 10, Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you. I love it. She didn't earn anything. She didn't do anything worthy of receiving what God wanted to give her. He said, if you only knew the gift that God has for you. I'm speaking to someone here today. If you only knew the gift that God has for you, if you only knew the gift that God has for that person that's in isolation, if you only knew the gift that God wants to give you, he says, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me. And instead of giving you physical water, and tangible water, I will give you living water. I want you to press pause real quick. Just press pause. Do you remember when he, he had, in, in this narrative of the Gospel of John, he's had, this is the second conversation he's had with a single person. The first conversation he had, he had with a religious leader. His name was Nico. Remember Nico? Nicodemus. And that religious leader, he said, you, can, you cannot see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. And then he said this, unless you're born of water and the spirit, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now, let's just think about it. 
Now he's going to talk to a woman who was not religious. She was an outcast. And he said, I'm going to give you, what do you say? I'm going to give you living. I can't hear you. Water. Unless you're born of the spirit and of water, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Let me tell you, unless you have the living water, you can't have God. Because once you have Jesus, you have God, and you have your thirst of the soul quenched. And you have everything. He said, I'm here talking to you. I would give you living water, verse 11. But sir, you don't even have a rope or a bucket. She said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think that you're greater than our ancestor Jacob? Pause right there. What did John the Baptist said? He who has come is greater than, than all. She's asking the question, do you think you're greater than our, than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than, than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? And Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I will give will never be thirsty again. Someone say, thank you, God. Someone say, thank you, God. Because see, when you find Jesus, your soul will never thirst again. When you find Jesus, you have what you need to sustain you in whatever you're going through. Not only do you have what you need, but you have what the world needs. What everyone is searching for, what everyone is looking for, you found in Christ. He said, but those who drink the water that I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a, a fresh, bubbling spring within them, within them giving them eternal life. How many of you have that? How many of you have the living water of God? How many of you have Jesus in your life? Your thirst is being quenched. You're not thirsty anymore. You found what you need. You found what everyone's looking for. You see, it helps us to understand the narrative, it helps us to understand how, how John the Baptist said he is greater than anyone else because he's from above. You see, this earth cannot produce the water that will sustain you in your life because every day we're thirsty for more. But the one who came from heaven will satisfy your thirst for eternity. Are you with me? Are you thirsty, my friend? Are you thirsty? Have you been drinking from the wrong well? What has happened to us in recent years has been to reveal to us what are we drinking? Who are we drinking? Are you satisfied? See, this, this woman was not only deserted, but she was very unsatisfied in her life. She was very, very needy. Her, her, her immediate need was water to sustain her, but her eternal need was to quench the thirst in her soul. That's important. That's important because sometimes our immediate need, our immediate need, thank you, Charlie Mendes, our immediate need is to, is to quench our, our temporary thirst. But can I tell you, Charlie Mendes cannot quench my spiritual thirst. He could not quench my eternal thirst. Only Jesus can do that. But don't we as people, don't we do the same thing? You see, we're more interested in our immediate need than our eternal need. Are you with me? You see, us humans, we're, we're more interested in our now than eternity. Blaise Pascal, the great mathematician, genius. You do some study on him, he's probably the sixth highest IQ ever. 
And, and Blaise Pascal put it like this. He said, there is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of each man and woman which cannot be satisfied by any created thing but only by God the creator made known through Jesus Christ. There, there's a, there's a God-shaped void. There's a God-shaped vacuum. There, there, there's something that all of us try to fill. Every person is trying to fill that void. They're trying to fill it with all kinds of different methods, all kinds of different, let's call them drinks. But it does not satisfy. The only way that it will ever be satisfied is through Jesus Christ. And here's what I want to tell you, friend. Is that if Jesus is not a part of your life, you're missing the most important thing in your life. If Jesus Christ is not your Lord and your Savior, your soul will continue to thirst and you'll go from one thing to another, from one thing to another, from one thing to another, never satisfied because nothing can satisfy you except God. Amen? In the beginning was a word, Jesus, and the word was with God, and the word Jesus was God. And he's the only one that will satisfy your thirst in your soul. But you're in here and, and you're thinking, Pastor, uh, you don't know what I've done. And I would answer you, you don't know what I've done. You want to you go <laughs> line by line. You don't know what I've done. I'm not qualified. My life does not represent a church person's life. Oh, you don't know church people. There's only one perfect one here. And it's not us. It's the one we're talking about. His name is Jesus. And so your, your third takeaway is this. Your failures will not keep God from giving you what you need. Someone say amen. Your, your, your failures, your mess-ups, the things that, where you have fallen short will not keep you or will not keep God from giving you everything that you need. Now, now look at what the woman says. Okay, Jesus is talking about this living water. If you knew who was talking to you, you would ask me, and I would give you a drink, and you'll never thirst again. Now think about it. If someone told you that you'll never thirst again, what would you say? Give me some of that. Can I get it on Amazon? I'm a prime member, right? Think about it. You'll never thirst again. Verse 15, please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. And then Jesus says this very profound statement, because Jesus always tells us exactly what's going on in our life. Amen? He says, go and get your husband. Jesus told her. And she said, I don't have a husband, the woman replied. She, now, she, now she's probably going like this. I, I don't have a husband. This is why I'm walking by myself at noontime in the hottest part of the day, Jesus. And Jesus responded to her and said, you're right. You don't have a husband. And you've had five husbands. And you aren't even married to the man that you're living with now. You are so honest. Don't you love Jesus? Now, now, now I want you to think with me. Jesus had to go through Samaria. He went in the hottest part of the day because he knew that there was a woman there that was an outcast. And he was getting to this place. And what he was getting to is all your failures, all your mishaps, all the things where you have messed up in life are not going to keep God from loving you. The things where you think that God would never love you, he'll love you more. The places where you think there's no hope, he says, I'm hope, I have hope that you can't even understand. The places where you think that, 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 that you cannot be loved, he will love you with unconditional love. You see, Jesus knew everything about this woman, and Jesus knows everything about James Reese. 
Jesus knows everything about you. But it didn't keep him from speaking to her and offering what she needed. And this is such a powerful, powerful passage to grab a hold of. Because there's nothing that we've done that will keep Jesus from coming into our lives and quenching our thirst for God. The only thing that will keep him from quenching your thirst is you resisting him in your life. But let me tell you, let me tell you, sir, let me tell you, ma'am, let me tell you who's ever watching, you need Jesus. I need Jesus. He's the only one that will satisfy. He's the only one that loves us despite what we've done, in spite of what we've done. He loves us. He cared about this woman when no one cared about her. But he does demand something. He demands honesty. He demands us saying, you know what, I've messed up. God, I need your help. That's what God loves. He he wants a contrite spirit. He wants someone that that says, you know, I'm broken without you. I've tried to do it on my own, and I can't. See, this woman had tried to do it on her own. She tried to do it with this person. She tried to do it with, well, she actually did it with this person. (laughs) Scratch that. She tried to do it with this person. She tried to make it with this person. She tried, she tried, and she tried, and she tried, and she tried, and she tried. And it still left her thirsting for more. But here's what I want you to know. That didn't stop Jesus from coming to her. And that doesn't stop Jesus from coming to us. And that doesn't stop Jesus from coming to your neighbors. And that doesn't stop Jesus from coming to that person in your community that you think they could never walk with God. Oh, yes, they can. Here's your fourth takeaway, and this is so important. It's something that I hold on to. I hold on to it. You, you, You need to beware of religion that keeps you from experiencing God's refreshing for your soul. Because let me tell you, religion will, quen- religion will actually keep you from experiencing everything that God wants to do in your life. The, the apostle Peter, as he, as, he, uh, as he was bringing people to faith in the book of Acts, God was using him mightily. He said, now it's time to change your ways. Turn to face God so he can wipe away your sins. That's exactly what was happening with the Samaritan woman. Jesus showed up and he was going to completely transform her life. He said, God can wipe away your sins and pour out showers of blessings to refresh you and send you the Messiah he prepared for you whose name is Jesus. The woman was shunned because of her sin. But her Redeemer was there. She was stuck because of religion. And so many people are today. So many people are stuck because of religion. So many people try to bring Jesus into the religious box. So many people try to bring religion into Jesus, the the freedom that you have in Christ. And that's exactly what goes on in this narrative because as, as he exposes her, as he says, go get your husband. And she says, I don't have a husband. And he begins to, to bring out the reality. She tries, she tries to bring religion. And that's what we try to do. That's what we try to do. We try to bring religion into the mix. Jesus doesn't care about your religion. He cares about our relationship with you. He wants to love on you. Verse 19, sir, the, the, the woman said, you must be a prophet. Why would, he say, why would she say you must be a prophet? Because he knew everything about her. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship, while we Samaritan, Samaritans, we claim it is here at Mount Gerizim, where our ancestors worshipped. Notice she, now she's separating. And, and, and let's, let's think about it. You come from a religious box. We all come up, most of us come from a religious upbringing. And we try to bring that religion into our relationship with Jesus. It'll never work. 
Are you with me? Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman. And I love how he's talking to her. Believe me, dear woman. The time is coming when it, no longer, it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father in this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship. While we Jews know all about him. For salvation comes through the Jews. Jesus was what? Jesus was a Jew. He came first for his own. If you have any Jewish descent, you need to understand that he came for you. But the time is coming, indeed it is here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Now, what does he mean by that? Let me tell you what he means. First of all, when you worship God, you have to worship the true God. The true God is revealed to us through Jesus Christ. Let me go back to the beginning of the narrative. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So when you have Jesus, you have God. He revealed the Father to us. And when you worship him, you worship Jesus and you begin to align yourself with what the scripture says, not what you learned in your past. Notice how she brought her past into it. You Jews say you're supposed to worship this way. Our ancestors say we're supposed to worship this way. I'm not even worshiping, but that's what they say. Which way are we supposed to worship? And Jesus teaches us something that is so important. He says to, the, he says to her and he's saying to us today, salvation comes from the Jews And Jesus is telling her and telling us that he is the very representation of God. And when you worship him, you worship God and you worship in truth. When you lift up your voices to Jesus and you elevate his name, you're worshiping in truth. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So when you worship Jesus, you're worshiping in truth. Don't get fooled by the enemy that's telling you that that it's, it's, it's where you worship. It's a location. It's the name of your church. That has nothing to do with anything. It's worshiping Jesus in truth. But religion will always get in the way. You see, this is what happens. Even missionaries throughout history, they've gone to different lands and they go and they, and, they, and, they, and they bring people to Jesus, but then they let the indigenous people and the natives and the cultures, they let them bring their, their religions into Christianity. And they have a capirotada, bread pudding is what it is, capirotada. They, they make all kinds of different things because they add layers. Let me tell you something. Jesus alone saves our souls. It's Jesus plus nothing. And when you worship him in spirit, it's you, your heart is open. It's a, it's a heart of worship. You have a heart connection with the living God when, when you confess Jesus with your mouth and you believe with your, help me, with, with your heart you will be saved. And, and, and you become this spiritual being. You're born again. And the, and the spirit of Christ begins to live and dwell in you. And, and you can cry out, Abba, Father. And you, you pray to, to God, God, the, the God of the universe. You begin to pray him, Abba, Abba, Father, our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name. Let your kingdom be established here in my life as it is in heaven. And give me my providence. Give me, give me this day what I need to sustain me. Give me this day my daily bread. And you begin to walk in this relationship with God. And that's what he's seeking. See, you guys, sometimes people get so confused. You think about the manner of your worship as, as how as your worship with God. It has nothing to do with it. I can worship God from there. I can worship God from here. I can worship God from down the street. I can worship God when I'm driving. I can worship God in another building because I lift up the name of Jesus. And he provides me living water that quenches the thirst of my soul. And it doesn't matter where I'm at. It doesn't matter when I'm fearful, when I've got things that are bigger than me. He is 
quenching my soul. And we need him in our life. He does not want or need for you to be religious. He needs and wants for you to have a relationship with him. Dear woman. That's what he said. Dear Woman, But let me tell you something. God will expose our things in our life that are taking us away from him. He says, go get your husband. Why did he do that? Because he wanted to get her right. Amen? And so there's some of us in here and we're, we're dealing, maybe doing some things that are contrary to God. Let me tell you, because of your relationship with Jesus, you stop doing that and you do the things that are going to bring glory to his name. Elmo, the theologian, let me say that, Elmo, not from Sesame Street, but Elmo Stoll, he was an Amish bishop. You've ever studied the, the Amish people, you see that there's a lot of tradition, there's a lot of strict religious followings and teachings. But this man began to let the scriptures, not only was he reading the scriptures, but the scriptures began to read him. They began to move through his life. And so Elmo Stoll began to, to have this relationship with the Almighty, and God began to move him into this different dispensation in his life from religiosity to relationship. And he wrote this. He said, religion may give you something to believe in and even something to do, but in the end, it's not enough. We do need something as desperately as we need someone. We need more than religion. We need Christ. Christ within us, the hope of glory. We need more than religion. We need a, a living relationship with the Son of God, a daily communion, a close walk, a life of love. That's what we all need. A, a, a love-based relationship with the Almighty God. A, a relationship with the one that does not abandon us. As that woman had, had tried to find love in all the wrong places, she found true love in a place that she never thought she would find it. At a well where she desperately, tirelessly walked to go and draw water to sustain her. She found the one that would quench her thirst in her soul. And maybe you're here today. And Jesus is here today. And he offers you living water that will transform your life. For, for 29 years, I've been walking with Jesus, and I can relate to this woman because I had such a past like that. And that's why I never want to be religious. Religion turns me off. Religious people turn me off. I'm going to tell you that right now. Relig people that do this, do that, do this, do that. Can I tell you, we can't keep that. Relationship with the Almighty God sets us free. Walking with Jesus sets us free. And Jesus is here, just like he was at the well. He, he's here to transform your life. The woman said, I know, I know all this, because the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Sir, he's going to explain everything to us. And Jesus just stood there. Just, just imagine with me. Here's the Lord of glory. Here's the Messiah. Here's the Christ. Here's the incarnate word. He just stands there probably smiling. Dear woman, he just said that to her. Dear woman. And she says, when he comes, and Jesus told her, I am that I am. I am. That's big words. I am. Messiah. 
When Moses was at the burning bush and he said, the, the, the Lord spoke to him through, through this bush that did not burn, but there was fire there. He says, the, the, the Lord spoke to Moses. He said, I want you to go and set my people free. I want you to go and do this job. And he says, who am I going to say, send, send me, Lord? Who am, who am I speaking to you? And he said, I am that I am. That's the same I am. I am the Messiah. I am your answer. I am the one that will quench your thirst. I am the one that will sustain you. I am the one that will fill you with the love that escapes you in this world. With the things that are breaking you and breaking your heart and leaving you empty and leaving you deserted. I am the Messiah. And guess what the woman did? Come back next week. <laughs> take a drink. If you have some water, take a drink. It's good. Thank you, Charlie. Here's, here's how I'm going to end. Are you thirsty, my friend? Has religion left you empty, destitute? Has relationships, have relationships failed you? Has the, the worries of the world Left you in chaos. You need Jesus. He's your answer. And he's here. Let me do the show of hands. How many of you, of you would say right now that, that you need Jesus in your life? You just, you just raise your hand and say, I need Jesus in my life. I need him for him to be every part of my life. You see, he sees those hands that are going up. He sees it. And guess, guess what he says? When, when he sees your hands going up, he says, I'm here, and I'm going to show you something. For, for 29 years, he's been showing me something every day. Every day that I will just allow him, he shows me how real he is in my life, and he's going to do the same for you. He saved that woman's soul. We'll see next week. He turns her into someone that goes and, 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 and shares the love of God with everybody and brings people to Jesus. That's what she does. And if anyone has ever experienced the love of Jesus, you want people to know God. You, know, you want people to know Jesus. Because he changes lives. And it starts with us. Just pray this prayer with me, simple prayer. God, God, I need you. I, I need you in my life. Lord, I, I, I'm so tired of trying to do things on my own. But today, I admit that without you, my life is not worth living. I admit that I, I'm a sinner. I fall short, but I also, I believe I put my trust in Jesus, not religion, not Living Word Chapel or any other church name. We, I put my faith in Jesus Christ. I believe that he went to the cross, not because he had to, but because he wanted to. He, he went to the cross and he died for all of my sins. Everything that I've done, he died so he could redeem me. I believe that he rose from the dead on the third day just the way the Bible said he would. I believe it. Jesus, you're alive. And so I confess you right now. I confess Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. And I choose to follow you, Jesus, from this day forward. In the fellowship, Lord, in the fellowship of your people, the church, I choose, Lord, to commit myself to the community of faith to walk with you, Lord God, to not be engulfed with the things of this world, 
but to be saturated with the love of God that comes through Jesus. I, I, I receive that right now. If that's you, just raise your hand. I receive that right now. I receive that right now. I receive it. You see, this, this, this woman that we're, that we're talking about, she's a real woman, and, and we're, we're going to meet her in heaven one of these days, and, and I'm going to sit with her, you know. I'm going to sit with her and say, hey, tell me all about it. Tell me the white lines. I mean, like, like I saw the narrative, but what, what, what were you thinking? What was going on? We're, we're going to be able to talk with her. I want to be able to talk to the apostle Paul who was on his road to Damascus, and Jesus met him there, Right? And we'll be able to talk. And, and they're going to be able to talk to me. And they're going to say, well, what happened to you? Well, I was at a party, man. I was at a party with a bunch of kegs. And, and I looked up in the sky and I said, Lord, if you're real, show me. And, and you did. You did. And you met me at a party before I ever went to church. And he meets you. He's meeting you. You think that, you know, every one of us, we have a narrative. Every one of us have a story. You think, you know, all these things have happened. No, no, no. These things have happened because he's been bringing you to this place. You're watching on, online, you're watching, you know, right now, and, and, and you're thinking, man, I, 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 I don't know how I got here. God does. And he came into your room. He came into your car. He, wherever you're at, he came. He had an appointment. He had to go through your place so that you could walk with him forever. Forever. And he's here. He's here. The spirit of God is here. Just open up your heart and let him in. You will never thirst again. Why don't we stand as we close the service?